Welcome to a message of grace. In today's message, Pastor Bruce Gellhorn expands on Paul's letter to the Romans about being prepared and about being able to see a word. Let's listen. Our first reading for this day is from the Old Testament Isaiah. The section we read from is from the first section, which is prior to the fall. Many people over the years have felt that the book of Isaiah was written by one person, because that's the name of the book, but it is not. It's written by three different authors, and it's a collection of oracles or sayings that spans several hundred years. The first 39 chapters are written by first Isaiah, and that's before the fall, in and around 735 BC. And he's writing, kind of warning the people to be careful to watch out. Um, and at the beginning of this lesson, you will hear these words. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Israel. The word that Isaiah saw. How do you see a word. You hear a word, but how do you see a word? What, what can we as a congregation do to help people see a word from God? As you listen to the reading, listen for the visual images that are lifted up that help us see God's word. Let us listen. A reading from Isaiah. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Our second scripture reading is a portion of Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome. He wrote this letter, or this book, in the first century AD. And uh, Paul had not been to Rome. He desired to get there. Many of the letters we have in the New Testament that are attributed to Paul address an issue in a church that he started. Paul he did not start the Christian church in Rome, but he, so he writes to them a letter, and it's a more clearly thought out treatise of his theology of, of belief and of, of grace in Jesus Christ. Today, he contrasts night versus day, dark versus light, and honor and virtue, virtue versus debauchery and licentiousness. 
Might this be a way that people see a word and the way Christians live? Let us listen. A reading from Romans. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to the 24th chapter of St. Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, About that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Two will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have, he would have stayed awake and not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Many of you know that each year in the spring there is a fundraiser at Luther Village, the Bikeathon. And there's always a good contingent from our church that goes to do the annual bikeathon, and I've done it for over 20 years, uh, usually the end of May and beginning of June. Two years ago, the weekend before the bikeathon was a beautiful, sunny, warm weekend. It went to like about 20 degrees. The weekend of the bikeathon. When we went down there, when we got up Saturday morning and uh, to do the 100-kilometer ride, we usually get on the road by about 8 a.m. or so, it was 3 degrees. The high that day was 5. 
well, I put on my spandex cycling shorts, I put on my multicolored jersey. You know, there's not many sports you can dress up like a clown and get away with it. But, but cycling is one of those where you can do that, right? And I, I had my long leggings with me too because, you know, I kind of, so I put my long leggings on and I had my, my light cycling jacket and my gloves. And we jumped on the bike and I anticipated that the sun would come, it would warm, and I'd be able to peel off some of my clothing because I'd be too hot. But we rode to Rushing River and back and uh, when we were at the Luther Village Road, those people riding the 80 kilometer, they all join us, we have a photo op, and uh, then we continue on. Well, when we left the village to go to Suneros and back, it started to rain. No, 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 it, it didn't just rain. It poured. And we drove about 20 kilometers to Bunny Lake, which is the first stop, the refreshment stop. And now, I'm not one of the road rockets that's way out front anymore, but don't get me wrong, I'm not a slouch either. So we would get to the stop and we'd stop and we would wait and wait till all the riders got there and then we would have our snack, make sure everybody's okay and get out of the way. So we're standing there waiting in the cold rain in this, I don't know what it was by then, it wasn't even five degrees. And I'm shivering, I'm cold, my teeth are chattering and uh, finally they come and we get back up on the bikes and I'm thinking, okay, once I get hammering and rolling here, I'll warm back up. No, it poured even harder. And there was puddles on the highway and we were in the rain and it was cold. So by the time we got to Suneros, I was shaking and shivering. I could no longer control the brakes on my bike because my hands were so numb. That's, that's, that's not a good recipe. I didn't fall, but couldn't shift the gears. We were freezing. And uh, when we were at Suneros for our lunch break, many of us, in fact, everybody except three riders, decided we needed to call and have somebody come and pick us up to take us home because this was just too dangerous. Now, Raymond, who I think Gutherin wrote they couldn't ride with us that weekend. They went out two weeks later, or a week later, and he still razzed me. He said, you went out a week earlier and I still beat you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only year I didn't finish the bike thon. Yesterday we had a marvelous service here. Wonderful, wonderful service. Uh, Jeremy Langer was ordained. Beautiful music. The church was full. There was lots of pastors and church people here and excited to be here and the responses from the congregation were powerful and strong. And it reminded me of when I was at seminary and I went there in the late 70s and that's where I met Rick Sauer. And uh, one of the things we would do when we were at seminary is to make a little bit of extra money when a church was vacant in and around Saskatoon, and sometimes even hundreds of miles away, they would approach the seminary if a student could come out and lead worship and preach. So we would do that sort of thing. Well, Rick and I would often go together, sharing the load, and at least there's somebody there to drive with. And in those days, uh, Rick and Elaine had a little Toyota Corolla. 
I'm not sure what age it was, 73, 74. They, aren't, they weren't built then like they are now. The thing was old. And uh, we drove to Etonia, Saskatchewan, and we led worship, and then a blizzard rolled in. And so we were driving home on the highway in this blizzard, snow whirling around, finger drifts starting to go across the highway, and we're hitting these drifts in this little car, sometimes tobogganing across a drift. And suddenly the car started losing power. It was in fifth gear, and so he dropped it down to fourth gear and third, and it kept losing power, losing power, losing power, to the point where he was in second gear, and he had the thing floored. And we were only going like, what, 20 kilometers an hour on the highway. So we pulled over, and, uh, and we stopped and popped the hood. Well, those things weren't designed for snow. So the air intake system the whole time was sucking up snow. So the whole air intake system, the air filter, were all full of snow, so we were cleaning the snow out as best we could. We banged off the filter and we took the air cleaner off. And I guess the heat of the motor, the carburetor, inside the throat of the carburetor was full of thick chunks of ice and snow. But being the motorhead I am, I had my kit along with me, my emergency kit that had a blanket to keep warm and gloves and various other things, but in there I had methyl hydrate. So we chipped off the ice and we used a little bit of methyl hydrate to loosen up the more ice. We cleaned it all up nice, put it all back together, started it up, purred like a kitten. And, and we drove back to Saskatoon like that. We drove back like that. On uh, Friday, I had a funeral for a non-member, and the son, when he was uh, giving the eulogy for his dad, was talking about his dad, and then he talked about how his dad taught him how to wind up, wind up an extension cord, and, and he, he, he teared up. And uh, he said, who would have thought? I'm talking about winding up an extension cord, and I get all teary-eyed because he shared other things that were of, of emotion and feeling. And it reminded me of a time, time when I teared up uh, at the funeral of a long-time family friend, uh, Ernie Adolf. Ernie was an Akela for a cub pack at the 113th pack at Christ Lutheran Church. And uh, he was the Akela for many years, and my dad was a leader in that pack too for many, many years. They both started being leaders before I was even of age to go. And I know when I finished Cubs, uh, my dad continued on through my brother, and because he was an administrator at Care Home, my dad said that it gave him some balance in his life, working with Cubs, working with the elderly. And uh, then, then Leif was born, and my dad said, well, I'm gonna carry on till Leif is done. I think my dad was a Cub leader for over 50 years. Uh, but at Ernie's funeral, uh, because Ernie was a Kayla, how many of you were cubs? We had a few here. You remember the grand howl? The grand howl, where the, the Kayla would come out and you'd go, pack, pack, pack. And no matter where you were in the room, you'd go, pack. And you'd come and stand in a circle, and the Kayla would be standing in the middle with the wolf's head. And you were in different groups, and the leader of a group was called a sixer, and they'd point the wolf's head, and the sixer would take a step forward, go down, and go, Ah, Kayla, Will, 
Dib, 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 dib. We will dob, 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 which dib means DYB, do your best, dob, do our best. Uh, well, because Ernie was in Akela so long um, at the, his funeral, when it came time at the end of the service for the words of commendation, uh, I did the traditional Christian words, and I also did the grand howl, and, and I got choked up doing that. Now, after Cubs, you have something that's called Scouts, right? How many of you were a Scout? Okay, we got a few here. What's, what's the Boy Scout motto? What is it? Be prepared. I understand it's the Girl Guide motto, too. Be prepared, be prepared. Now, it took a long time to get here to this point, telling you all these stories, but this is the thread that connects them all together. In the first story, where I froze riding my bike, I wasn't prepared. In the second story, where the carburetor froze up, we were prepared. And that's the connect with our gospel for today. Be prepared. Here we are preparing for Christmas to once again ponder the mystery of Christ becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And this gospel text is not preparing us for Christmas, but it's preparing us for the end times. The end of the world as we know it. Whether that be our end individually or whether it be the end of the world. Be prepared. That's what this text is about. If the house owner knew when the thief was coming, the house owner would have been prepared, right? That's what Jesus said. When I was in grade 12, and uh, back in those days they would have exchange programs uh, where students from another part of Canada, another city would come, to be at a school for three months or so, and then the, that host family, their student would go to the, the other family for three months or so. Well, one of my friends' families hosted a student, and uh, that family and my friend, his parents decided to take a little bit of a road trip south. It was the middle of winter, so they were gonna go south for you know, about two and a half weeks. And so he decided to have a party so he told the exchange student, host families, and he told the exchange students, but word got out at school that there was a party. I was at that party. The house was packed. Parents' nightmares. That's what this stuff is made of. I could not get into the basement, but I counted on the main floor, and on the main floor I counted 85 people. Now the party ended, but you know, if you have a couple hundred teenagers in your house having a party, there's a lot of mess. But my friend and his sister decided, well, mom and dad aren't coming home till Wednesday. Uh, we'll leave it and, and we'll clean up on Sunday. You can see this coming, right? Yeah, you know what happened, right? They came home early <laughs> and the house was a disaster, yeah? Be prepared, be prepared. That's what this gospel is about, to be, be ready. 
so that it doesn't matter when Jesus comes. If he comes for me individually today or he comes and it's the end of the world, to be ready. You know, there's a beautiful parable Jesus told too that illustrates this about the wise and foolish maidens, the ten maidens, right? Do you know that parable? There's these maidens that are required to do a dance for this wedding. And part of the tradition is the bridegroom tries to come at a time when they don't know and there's a lot of fun with that whole thing and to catch them unawares. Well, the bridegroom comes and uh, five of the maidens have oil for their lamp and five don't. They've run out and they need to go and perform their duty, this, this marriage dance. So the ones that don't have the oil, say the ones that have oil, give us some. And they say, well, no, we don't, we don't have enough for you and us. Quick, go to the merchants and see if you can buy some. Well, it's too late. It's too late. So the question is, what is some of that oil? What is that oil that helps us be prepared. How do we get prepared? In Isaiah we heard, they will see a word. How do we prepare? Well, first of all, by being here is a good step. By being at worship, you are preparing because you're taking time out of your schedule and your week, a narrow sliver of time to be still and to commune with God and to hear God's word and to pray. Pray. Talk to God. Every day. Anytime you do something, driving to and from the store, driving to and from work, take time to pray, to commune with God. And these things help us to connect with God, to be prepared. I always like to use the example of the cross because if you look at the cross, there's two main pieces, right? There's the vertical piece, and yes, my faith in being prepared is a relationship between me and God. But there's also a horizontal bar, because being prepared also has a horizontal aspect to it. Because that's how people see a word. They see a word in you, they see a word in me. We have programs here at our church, the breakfast program, the food bank, Trinity Food Pantry. We have Nest. We serve meals at the Urban. This is how we prepare. People see a word in us. We also prepare by helping this place be strong and healthy by serving on service group and committees and council. This is how we prepare. Yesterday, I had the honor of preaching home at Jeremy's ordination service. And Jeremy, for his gospel, had chosen a text from Mark chapter 4 about sowing seeds. And Jeremy's take on that was that we are called 
to sow seeds lavishly and indiscriminately. And it reminded me of a prayer I once read, written by Bishop Oscar Romero. And I would like to share, I shared it yesterday at Jeremy's service. I would like to share it with you this morning. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings about perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter in and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders. Ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. Be prepared. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to A Message of Grace. If you would like more information on our congregation and how we can be of service to you, please visit our website at www.gracelutheran.ca or check us out on Facebook. Peace be with you.